I'm so embarrassed. Like, to be honest, there are, there are times when I'm like, God damn it. What if hell is real? I mean, what the, you know, what if they're doing that shit? Like <laughs> the, the, the Pascal's wager thing just like makes sense. It's like, that would be, that would be so bad. I don't want to be under someone's burning body forever. <laughs> Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. I'm Dave Marr. I'm a comedian who lives in Chicago. I survived a month-long coma over eight years ago, and I woke up with questions, which I wrote down or thought of and just stayed memorized and chose to ask in this podcast, which I've created, and ask them of my guest today, my friend, comedian, improviser, Andrew Tischer. Tischer is one of my closest comedy buddies. I was so excited to be able to have this conversation with him. You can find links to a couple of his video sketches that he did with the Brooklyn Annoyance crew for IFC a few years back in the show notes. And he's in LA now. So if you're in LA and you see Andrew Tischer on a bill, go to the show. It's it's going to be a good show. Also, we talk about college a little bit. He went to St. John's University in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I went to the University of Chicago, and there's this similar sort of uh, condescending, pretentious, because we read the original texts, smart guy thing. So that's that's occasionally what we're comparing notes on. But I love Andrew, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoy it so much that you tell someone. If you do like the show, the ways you can do that, you know, classic uh, analog, use your mouth to tell someone about the show. You can also review the show in your Apple Podcasts app. I believe Spotify allows you to review it as well. I have, I think, 23 reviews in Apple Podcasts. I would love to get that number to 50. We'll see how fast people can go before I set a a goal, a date goal on that. But if you are able to add a five-star review, that would be fucking sick. If you're able to actually include text in your review as well as a rating, even better. Tell me, tell me a moment from this episode you like. Tell me a moment from any of the previous 130-whatever episodes that you like. Um, you know, tell me something you like about my voice. Anything. I'll take, I'll take anything just to keep going, you know? Anyway, another way to support the show that I very, very much appreciate is becoming a supporter on Patreon. We've had a couple new patrons on the Patreon recently. Very grateful for that. It's very active at the moment. I am actively developing my third one-man show with a solo podcast that is available on the Patreon. There are Afterlife Movie Club episodes that come out. The After Show episodes I do once a month with Claire Favret are on there. And you can hear the full conversations I have with guests, including... There is some uh, some some shit talk. Don't always include shit talk in those full conversations, but there's some some playful, lighthearted, but 
name droppy specific shit talk in this week's full conversation with Tisher over on the Patreon. You get that by going to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. For $5 a month, you become an afterhead. It might not sound like much to you, but it means a ton to me. If you can spare $15 a month to become a Pigeon-level subscriber, I will shout your name out on the podcast. Here we go. Susie Carroll, Fred Fidoa, Katie Llewellyn, Kurt Chang, John Lee, Shuba Singh, and Debo. I've got one other thing to tell you about this week, and that is my new podcast called Genre Reveal Party with Madeline Lane McKinley. You may have followed my journey with Madeline. She helped suggest Joanna Isaacson, who was in the um, This Is Your Slasher Life month of October. She was uh, the guest on the Baba Duke episode. Then I talked to Madeline herself. I read her book, Comedy Against Work. And then in March, Madeline was part of my first, well, I I was part of her book talk, but that was my first anything close to a live performance in like a year and a half. And now I'm back, as you heard from the Patreon, in the active show development process. And I'm very grateful for this budding friendship I've got with Madeline. I'm very excited to co-host this podcast, which is us talking about TV's talking about TV shows and movies through the lens of genre. So what we do this first season, it is a show that happens in seasons, is called Family Matters. So it's all family stories. But then, you know, so we've got like Succession, we've got Fast X, we've got A Serious Man, and there's a Star Trek series that we're doing, a Juno Jr. pregnancy double feature. I won't drop every, you know, the entire schedule at you right now. But what we do is we, whoever picked that movie gives a little intro about it. We have a long talk about it. These are unapologetically long podcast episodes. So if you enjoy that, just kind of like hang out with friends who love and respect each other vibe, it, you know, blank check style with Gorley and Rust style. Those are some podcasts I've been loving recently. If you like that vibe, I think you will really like this show. After the chat, we reveal the unique, bespoke genre names we have come up with for each movie or TV show that we have picked for that episode. It'll it'll make sense when you listen. To it. It's it's not that complicated. I I think even saying it'll make sense assumes that you didn't follow that. You followed that. But I just wanted to preface that because I am going to play you the trailer for that show right now. Hi, I'm Madeline, and I'm a writer and a cultural critic. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm a comedian. And welcome to Genre Reveal Party. This is our podcast where we talk about TV and movies through the lens of genre, when it holds up, when it breaks down, and what we can learn by exploding it. In this first season of the podcast, we're taking the theme of family matters, focusing on movies and TV about families and the family form under capitalism. There were a few reasons we thought this would be a good way to start, and just one of them has to do with the way that genre itself is wrapped up in the idea of the family. No, you're right to really point that out, too. I love how much you're saying I'm right in this. It feels really good. Well, I need you to say that I'm right about something. You are right. I said when in the in the <laughs> sex scene, I said you were right. I said I said I like that. 
Oh no, I know. But I need you to feel that I'm right about the last scene with Yuri. No, we're not gonna get there. Just FYI, there will be spoilers, and you don't necessarily need to have watched the thing we're talking about to enjoy the show. This week, Madeline chose to kick us off with Succession. So, this is our. Ooh, yeah. This is the music sting that we can afford. Love it. Love it. Look for Genre Reveal Party wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes come out on Fridays, and season one starts May 12th. So there it is. That's Genre Reveal Party. I, in addition to playing that for you right now, I will be dropping that trailer in the feed of the podcast. So click through and subscribe to Genre Reveal Party. And if you want to already drop a five-star review of just the trailer, that would be awesome too. And that is what I've got. So thank you so much for listening. And now you can listen to my conversation with the wonderful, the brilliant, the very, very funny Andrew Tischer. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatan. When I'm in Shatan. You seem ready since you've texted me and mentioned it enough before starting to paint your hell. So please have at. Yeah, uh, no, I've, I've I've actually mentioned it so much because I think I struggled with it a bit. I, I, the um, I remember listening to the um, episode with Gethard, and he 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 paints the kind of um, you know uh, uh, quirkier hell where it's like, oh, these are the these are the shoes I don't like, and this is the music I dislike. And I think you even kind of needle him about it, and he's like, well, you know, the conventional hell where you <laughs> get dipped in boiling oil probably works pretty well for yeah. everyone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like everyone's like, yeah, this is about as bad as it can be when you when you put them there. So I think I I think I struggled to um to find the uh you know what what temperature of of hell did I want to uh, to go with? But I, I I so then I was thinking I would go with um just some time in my life that felt like uh, a personal hell. But but and then not to be melodramatic, but the um the the soundscape of the of the apartment I'm currently living in is, is pretty rough. We were talking about it a little before yeah. we went on the air. Shall I, shall I recap? Yeah. Give us, give it in like bullet point form. Like, like uh, okay. Apartment listing, negative apartment listing, as if you're saying here, come, 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 don't live here. These are the reasons why. Yeah. Come, come uh, <laughs> one bedroom in sunny LA steps to food for less auto zone subway sandwiches old church with four stories that looks like a typing school that seems like now it's a college and what do they teach there typing or maybe church there's a security guard outside all the time enter your spacious gray floor department above you a neighbor with a child she is constantly uh, at the end of her rope managing. Hear her speaking to it in uh, irritated tones throughout the day. Hear her singing in the shower every night. Uh, 
the same unidentifiable musical phrase at the top of her lungs. Here hear the neighbors to your left, uh, managing their joyful child who squeaks, squeaks and squeals like a playful baby velociraptor. Hear them making her dinner, rattling through the cupboard, getting out brooms, dustpans, bags of flour, kibble. <laughs> hear those neighbors vomiting into a toilet every morning. If you were recording Homer Simpson learning he'd just eaten a rancid crawdad, you would stop the take and say, sorry, Dan, too big. Dial it back a little. You're the neighbor to your right. You're both of them lovingly talking to each other in bed every night, even if you place your bed on the opposite wall of your bedroom. Outside, your bathroom window, smoke alarm battery beeps every 30 seconds. Sometimes another joins in, but that one gets fixed from time to time. Kind of lost the thread of the uh, apartment listing parody, but that's You just the, have to uh, list a price. $1,650 a month, the utility is not included. <laughs> What do you hope happens when you die? I've always had this, um, play, or I haven't always had it, but this playful idea I've come up, I came up with at some point was I do think um, it would be good if there were a movie theater in heaven where you could see any movie, um, but but you could put any actor in any role. So you could mm. see, you know, you could see The Graduate with young Jeff Bridges playing the Dustin Hoffman role, for example. Okay. And, um, or you could see, but you could also see like, um, you know, Tim Burton's adaptation of Pride and Prejudice or Kubrick's adaptation of Pride and Prejudice okay, or okay. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think that would be nice. Uh, you know, not the, it's a humble wish. They could put that in. <laughs> is that a, is, is there a number one with a bullet version of a modified film for you? Is one of those it? Well, I think, I think part of what I would like about it would just be, yeah, that miss, there's, um, I mean, it's, it's, a, I guess when Preston Sturges was making Unfaithfully Yours, I think he was maybe considering casting James Mason instead of, um, Rex Harrison as the lead, but, you know, uh, there's not like a lot of people who are going to go like, yeah, that's heaven to me too. <laughs> See that. But I think that's one that made me think of it. I was like, oh, that would have been so good. But I think more, it would just be like, um, I think it would partly just be running the experiment. You have all the time in the world to run the experiment now. And so it's like, oh, let's, yeah. let's see Jerry Lewis in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And let's actually like, would putting Pee-wee in the old Jerry Lewis movies make those more tolerable? Uh Sure. You know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that, that takes place in heaven. So you're not wasting your time because otherwise it's like you're wasting your time going in there all the time. But, sure. uh, you know, I think the, I think the real, right. I, I guess I would, so then a more, a more real answer would be, I suppose the only way it could or I'll back into it a different way. I think my real answer is 
I think I do hope it it's the end and it's it's black and it's a, it's an end of all sensation and, and thought. Um because I think any other conception of the afterlife makes me pretty leery. Um just it uh you know, obviously to be in hell forever is the is like so bad (laughs) (laughs) well said well said it's one of the worst ways to be in hell but i think um you know like even even when i was a little kid like when i would hear of the idea of like and then and then you're in heaven forever and it's like oh forever i i don't know Mm -hmm. scary uh the the you know I'm with, um, yeah, the, the, just the idea of infinity is, is really scary. I think, I guess you would, and, and so then if there were one, I guess you, I guess the idea would be that, that it's the creator would be so powerful and knowing that it, he would, he would probably create something so, so strange and alien. It probably couldn't even be described here, but, but like, believe me, when you get there, it, it really is great. Right. I think it's, it's you know in the um have you have you read uh the divine comedy the inferno and, and purgatorio no and, i think i might still have your one of your copies on my show yeah <laughs> i think I, I yeah i think i litter that robert pinsky inferno yeah. all over the yeah. place uh but you know it's like the the inferno and, and purgatory are both like pretty compelling and he it's like you know all the stuff he's describing in hell is like yeah that sounds really bad and all the stuff in purgatory is like oh that sounds that sounds really hard too but very meaningful to work through your sins mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. that does kind of seem fair if that guy had to do that for ten thousand years then yeah i guess he should go to heaven <laughs> uh but then the heaven stuff it's mostly just like people singing you know and saying and it's just like well this doesn't sound nice like this this isn't the this isn't the kind of heaven where you meet your pets or even kind of like know you see your family again or something. Right. This, you know, everyone's just in these like palmaic circles, like singing hymns to God and and radiating light. And it's like, yeah, but I think any I think anything that retained much humanness continuing for like death seems built into the human project so deeply mm-hmm. that you know there's the i don't like the idea of death i don't want to die exactly but then if, if it's like oh and so then you'll live forever and it's like oh i don't know right. uh no if forever is a is a big problem with the heaven situation the the way i've the the kind of question i've come to with it is like well what if what if that problem is solved meaning there's some sort of right. temperamental change in where infinity actually doesn't get boring what if somehow the boredom problem is solved you know and then it's like well yes, the no, right. obviously like yeah incredible yeah i mean i, I guess you know i don't yeah not trying to be too clever with it because there's definitely it's not, yeah, it's not so hard to picture a situation where it's just really nice every moment. Sure, uh, uh, sure. But I think it does seem like right. There would have to be some change to your nature, and maybe even kind of an extreme change. Mm-hmm. And I think 
right. think, um, so, I mean, a, I mean, I think, I think it all just kind of ending and there's, there's just like consciousness just ceases is like, is what I think happens. You know, sure. that's, that's my best guess for what happens. And your um, hope wrapped up in that, like the, the there's some, there's being something appealing about that. Tell me about that. Right. Well, I mean, I guess I think in, in the way that there is at least, you know, so, so, so right. Like the promise, the promise of a, of a, of a good afterlife is, well, in some way, all guilt and pain and, you know, and all these things, there will, there will be some kind of um, balm for them and that will all be done and behind you. And, um, and it's like, oh, but how would, how would situation X work? Or, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you married two women in your life and they never knew each other, then what, what goes on there? And (laughs) and that's a kind of like silly one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't know. Uh, or if, yeah, what if, and then I think, um, I think it's like, okay, well, in the situation where it's just like the lights get turned off, it's like, okay, I'll, you know, it's like, you're just done. All that stuff's done. And and it's like, at least the upside is all your cares are put away and no one can get to you. <laughs> Even though you don't get to have the experience of no cares. Right. No, that's right. But I mean, I think that's, that's what's, that's what, it's that extreme. That's what makes it convincing. Like, yeah, there's no, there's nothing, mm-hmm. but I mean, so, right. So it is, it's an end to all pleasure, you know, and, and it's an end to love and it's an end of friendship, you know, but it's, but in the pro column, it's an end to pain and suffering and shame. And, you know, I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's not, Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, like, you know, I guess I don't want to, you know, as I think about death and spend spend my spend some time reconciling myself to what I think will happen, mm-hmm. you know, um, surely that's all part of this. But I don't, I don't think I really find myself thinking. Oh, I hope it all. I hope we all do. You know, I don't really find myself thinking, I hope there's something else. You know what I find myself thinking a lot is, and reacting against a lot is um, the chaos argument, the um, the meaninglessness argument, even the, and the kind of the existentialist argument of like, that's what's beautiful is that it ends and you, and it's empowering because then you get to make your own meaning. And the thing I crave, whether I believe it's there or not, the thing I find myself wanting and thinking about even actually much more than, oh, after all this, is there something is just for things to be meaningful uh almost objectively for for there to be something you know the idea of like well we're just bugs oh we're just you know the the universe is infinitely vast i would love for that all to be true and still 
your life is meaningful and your life is meaningful. And we might not know why, but like, that's the thing I think I crave is meaning. No, I think I, I, I crave it for sure. And I think it, I think I feel when, when I reflect on, you know, is there some meaning of that kind? I think, I, I think I, you know, I think if I'm honest with myself, I think I have to say no. And that, and that fills me with, it really does fill me with like horror and revulsion. Right. Uh, you know, I think, I mean, I, I guess, especially cause I, cause I think like what that probably means for morality, you know, or like, mm. uh, uh, I think that's the part that really makes me ill. I think also like even even when I think about us contacting aliens or something, it's like, well, they're just they're gonna be some creatures that evolved under some different circumstances. And so their morality is probably gonna be pretty different to ours. And there's really not gonna be any way to adjudicate, except we're just gonna have to go like, yeah, us against them. <laughs> sure. <laughs> totally. I get that. That I that's very convincing. Just, yeah, I, like I hope we don't find them. I hope they just aren't out there because it just seems like oh it's going to be so bad what if you knew for sure that we would win oh then put me on the front lines <laughs> no i think i think just the just the contact with them i think it would um this is this isn't enough of a thought to be worth it but i mean i think i guess but I, just as an illustration of like like i don't it seems pretty convincing to me, like that our morality is is more or less based on like what what makes an ape troop propagate well, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I wish it was better than that. I wish there was. I, th- I wish there was more meaning there than that. Um, and I and so I guess all of the all of this is to say I agree with you that I wish there were more meaning. That I wish there was was capital M meaning behind life or behind the the story of the universe or something and, and, and behind every human life and so on. And I, and I think the only thing, you know, to do is act as if there is, you know, value in all this and treat people with kindness and as, as about, you know, valuable beings, you know, each, each and every one. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't, I guess, it seems to me there's so many, you know, I mean, I, I guess like here's, here's a, an obvious punchline is like, yes, here I, here, you know, welcome back. Yes, you died. And, and now welcome back. Here I am your God. This is what I've been doing. And it's like, this is like, you know, you could have any number of projects, which are horrific, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. all he has to be is more powerful. Right. Not good. Like we could, you know, I guess, I guess it seems totally convincing to me that God could be a malevolent force or whatever. And so in sure. that sense, no, oh, better off without him. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think. Say it into I, the mic. But you that? think, you think better off without God. Say it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were, I thought my sound was. <laughs> no, no, no. Say it to his face. <laughs> okay. Well, uh. You know, God, leave a leave a star rating on the Apple Podcast app. <laughs> Let me know what you think, and depending on that, I can I'll get a little more more free with my my uh, discussions about you. But I 
this this feeling of like chaos and and of like oh I must kind of, when I think about is it is it chaos is it meaningless I feel that I that I must kind of say that it is um uh, what I, I totally feel that pull and it and like that really scares me you know like I, I remember in college like you know going going to college going to the university of chicago where it's like this this you know we're gonna learn the classics this like very you know daunting fucking you know important everything's like capital i important university which i know you know similar to you but but coming from a suburban university invented my university (laughs) right exactly (laughs) Like, like uh you know, being a suburban sort of disenfranchised evangelical kid, but still with that damage, it was the feeling was there is some truth to be discovered here. And yes. if I find it, it is going to unravel my life. There is going to be a pit that opens in the world and it's the truth. And so it's all this like really like actually kind of fucked up stuff of like associating negativity with truth. Um, and, and, and I don't, I don't know just that, that pull. And, and that's still kind of a feeling I feel when I think about that chaos. But one of the other thoughts I have, whether I, weigh it more heavily or not is well my desire for this is also a fact of sorts you know and mm-hmm. like leaning into that gives me a bit of um it's like a gk chesterton thing as i understand it of like you know the the fish can't breathe in the air so the fact that it can't breathe in the air implies that there is water for it to swim in somewhere. You know what I mean? Yes. So what about that shit? Right. Well, so that, I mean, so, so I think that's, you know, and I think, I mean, I think the, those, cause I think, a, I think Aquinas does something where he's like, let me lay out all my arguments for why God or, or Christianity can be real but there's no such thing as an argument that will get you there. It seems built, to, you know, built into the system is you have to make, there is still the leap you have to make. Mm-hmm, you, have, mm-hmm. you have to like, faith or something, right? right? I find that compelling. Um, and if I'm misdescribing it or whatever, pop off in the comments, leave a low rating on, on this. Uh, send well, a you can leave yeah, a bad review. <laughs> Keep the rating high. Just make the review yeah. bad. Right. Reviewing Dave for dealing gracefully with his ignorant guests. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I guess, I mean, I guess, so then I guess I find compelling. I, I think, I think my take on that would be something more like, hey, we're these creatures who developed this really powerful pattern seeking system. And uh, and that that did us real well in the in the fight against other creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, we could, we like we were the ones who could figure out which plants did what and like write it down and uh, right. and that sort of thing. Um, but we know you can you, you can vividly see thanks to the internet how how um, 
overcranked everyone's pattern seeking system is. Sure, sure. Yeah. And so I so maybe you know, it's just like, well, every you know, you kind of everything, you know, everything has people make things, probably someone made all probably some big people made all this. Uh you know, we all have uh you know, or, or I guess just like seeing intention, like there's this, there's this, there is this human thing of, of seeing intention and um, everywhere where there, where there definitely isn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's kind of what conspiracy seeking, you know, that the right. tendency of the mind to, to create these conspiracies and, and see like, well, that didn't just happen. That didn't just happen, my friend. Uh, so I think that I think I would they're like, oh, that makes sense. That kind of like seeing a supernatural would be would be part of that. Yeah, totally. And I think, and I, I guess I would even like if I were really gonna like dig the knife, and I'd be like, think of all the supernatural things at different times human beings have used to explain stuff: fairies and ghosts sure. and goblins and leprechauns. You know, and it's just like, and how many of those we dismiss out of hand. You know. But the thing that it psychs me is like, and what if it's all real? That shit would be fucking wild. Sure. No, I mean, well, and I, I mean, I think I would say, I, I can't say it's not. You know, I think, yeah, 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 I mean, absolutely. And I mean, and I mean, like, it's, I'm so embarrassed. Like, to be honest, there are there are times when I'm like, God damn it, what if hell is real? I mean, what the, you know, what if they're doing that shit? Like. <laughs> they, they, uh, the Pascal's wager thing just like makes sense. It's like that would be that would be so bad. I don't want to be under someone's burning body forever. I want to know what is your coma? A moment of transformation where before you were one version of yourself and after you were another. And I'll add that it is my belief that everyone has I would say at least two of these um, just because it's fun to pick a specific number. But I, I would say there are many for, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it just occurred to me that kind of a nice one, one, one of my nicer comas uh, might be when I, uh, so, so, you know, I, I, In college, I went to Chicago after that for, for quite a while, which is where I met you mm-hmm. doing improv. And um, and then at some point, uh, you know, I guess six and a half years in, I moved to New York City. And I did it kind of blind. I visited there like twice, you know, and once as a high schooler. Um having a ball in pre nine 11, New York. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, but, but I, I got there and, uh, and it was, and it was difficult and it was very different. Um, you know, I think one of the things that really struck me about it was being, you know, being on any, the moment you stepped out your door, you were like, there was always a person in your field of vision, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you were never not near several people, I guess, like sometimes in the very middle of the night, I'd be on a block alone or something. Um, 
but there was just always people around. And then, and that really, uh, you know, um, I found that really exhausting and yeah. self-consciousness inducing. Um, but then somehow I think like pushing through that and being in a place where um, I walked around to do all my little chores in this kind of like Richard Scary's busy town kind of way. Sure, sure. And, you know, I get on, I get on the train every day and I, you know, and just, um, it, it started to really feel like the place for me. And I remember when, um, I remember when Anthony Oberbeck moved a bit later, he, uh, he arrived and he, I met up with him some night and he said, Oh, I actually, I saw you earlier today. And I was like, oh, where was that? And he, you know, names the place. And he's like, you were you were just walking around with headphones in and you were just beaming. And I thought, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't interfere with this moment. He's clearly so happy, which is like such a sweet thought from Anthony. Yeah, yeah. And it was also like, um, it really hit me like I, I was like, I really feel like uh yeah, this is like my happiest self. I really feel like my full self here. This is this is so nice. I I I feel like um, you know, I struggled, uh, from, from like age 15 until like age 25, I struggled with OCD, uh, and, um, and then I finally did some cognitive behavior therapy and got done with that. And then being, you know, and so that, that like was, you know, some, some real pain and unhappiness for a long time. And then, you know, in, in Chicago, um, you know, I never, I never like felt quite at home in Chicago and then to, to be performing and, and doing things in New York and, and feeling like I was like really, um, yeah, it was just, I just like, it felt like, oh, here, I've, I finally managed to do it. There was this idea it could be done and I've managed to finally do it, which is like here I'm living a, a little life I'm happy with. Where, where like in the interim periods, I walk around with a smile on my face. Unthinkable, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Where, yeah. Just in the, in the normal neutral downtime, it's like, what a good world. <laughs> well, that's so interesting that the way you preface that is with the discomfort of being around so many people. Yeah, yeah. right. I think, I think that, um, Yeah, I think I think something I liked about the city was it really forced me out of my the haunted house of my head a lot. Mm. Okay. There was there was like a lot to be done and it made me happier. You know, like you can't go drive like uh, finding a new towel. That shit's a hassle in New York. Sure. <laughs> and that was somehow good for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did it feel like you start cuz the thing I associate with the type of happiness that you're describing, at least I I think as I understand it, is I won't say a lack of ambition, but like a right-sized ambition, like an ambition to do the best at the things that you can control, which is constantly the way I am trying to, and I think actually starting to succeed at redirecting my ambition to be like, actually, personally, as much sour grapes as it may sound, so be it. I don't need to be on TV as much as I need to 
make kind of large, you know, longer form thematic projects in a theatrical and or storytelling sort of mode, if that makes sense. So, 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 you know, and, and having moved to New York to do comedy, at least in part, there's the thing in my mind that's like, oh, well, some part of you must always have been like, okay, well, when am I gonna, you know, make it? But, but was, was that the case? And how were you, you know, do you, do you, do you feel the same way about ambition as it relates to a happy day to day that I do? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the way that it was working for me at that time was, you know, I was, I was performing in this little theater with kind of like 10 of the people, like the, the winnowing process of like, you know, it ended up being a group of people all kind of moved from the, at the same time from Chicago to New York. And the way that kind of like winnowed out, and I guess it was like self-reinforcing to a degree, the people who knew the other people who had moved were friends and so on. And, and so that was the incentive for them to move. And But, you know, it ended up being this like group of people that are like, these are kind of like, you know, some of the funniest people I thought, you know, and, yeah. and really liked everyone and I liked playing with. And so like I got to perform with these people all the time at this theater that was just getting off the ground. And we were kind of the like de facto, you know, uh, big men on campus, you know. Sure. We were the, we were the biggest fish in that pond is maybe the uh, appropriate amount of, of uh, yeah. irony to give it. And yeah. um and but, this is the Brooklyn annoyance, right? Yeah, this was the Brooklyn annoyance. Okay. And I think part of, um, as for the ambition thing, I think part of what also made it feel kind of so heavenly to me was that it was like, I'm in the right place, New York City, with the right people um, and doing work I'm really happy with every week. And so that was that was the just like day-to-day is good. And then there was mm-hmm. also this feeling of like, this is where stuff happens. And I see stuff happening for other people. And so there was this idea that like, even if I'm not on television now, and one of the things that happened there was sometimes I was on television, you know, in a small role on on a late night show. Um, But it was, there was just this feeling of like, Oh, it's all about to happen for everyone. And actually this is like the calm before, like this is, I'm going to look back on this as the most peaceful time before we all, Mm ever making our 400,000 here, uh, <laughs> the comedy that America loves. And, uh, <laughs> and I think, um, you know, true enough that I look back, I look back on it extremely fondly, but, it, but, uh, I think that's, and, and that's part of why I think returning to New York felt like a different equation to me and what, you know, it was like, oh, I don't think that feeling that it's all going to, it all could change tomorrow is going to be there, you know? I think, I think being younger and, you know, and also just like a different, you know, when I first moved there, all of those, you know, funnier die and all those, you know, video sites all still, there was the sense that like everything was on the upswing. Yeah. But, but beyond that, I just think like being younger, like it's like, oh, no one's going to like, who's that 41 year old man cutting up on stage? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also like, it's, it sounds like the piece of the day to day was a little bit made possible by the idea that like 
oh, well, this is just the system and it works. And yes. and I'm doing I'm doing everything I need to do in the current. There's no, nothing being left undone in this. Current yes, system. yes. It will it whatever it is. And that's the problem is it's so fucking vague uh, will happen because. Right. Of, yeah. And it just so happens that the regularity of this and the familiarity and just enough challenge of it actually makes me really happy in the meantime. Yes. Well, I think, I mean, I think, you know, here's a, I mean, I guess, like, uh, uh, yeah, here, here's, here's like an approximation of, of a heaven is like, I, I really, you know, I love to improvise and I love to be on stage with, you know, a handful of other people I, I really like and know personally and know what they think is funny. And we're all like, making up something funny together as it's like, I don't, there's not a better, you know, I mean, the, you know, you're literally playing with your friends, but these are like the funniest people, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you've known. And, and like, honestly, it's not like, you know, they're the, they are the people from all over America who moved to New York to be funny and they could plausibly, you know, get jobs, all of them. So they're, yeah. they're high in the running for America's funniest people. Totally. Totally. And, and so it feels so, so good just to like do that. So then what I would ask you to do, what I even will ask you to do mm-hmm. is choose a single memory that if the afterlife contained, let's say a room where you could pop into and out of it whenever you wanted and in it, you get to fully drop down into and re-experience one memory from your life. What memory do you choose? Right. And and so then I, I will be I will be naughty about this because I do think that, I do think of all your questions, this one has the funniest framing. Please. Because it's kind of like it's either like, well, wait, so what's going like they don't have capacity in this power in this afterlife to, to like run the machine? Like we get there's not enough. Support. I wish you I wish you could have directed the show that this question came from. Me too. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a try right now. Cut. <laughs> or you know, or that there's like some genie running the afterlife or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And you could you could possibly scam your way into more memories. Well, there's also, I mean, come on, there's all sorts of, oh, um, you look at defending your life, you, they, they, you go into the um, the past lives uh, situation. Yeah, and you only see a couple of those. There's all sorts of problems with the- I thought they were seeing, I thought they were seeing pretty much everything. I know, I think you only get to see like three or six or something like that. Oh, okay. Well, a lot of them are probably boring. Uh, well, it sounds like, like you've got all sorts of excuses for Albert Brooks, but none for your old pal Dave. <laughs> yeah. So what's so I go in the I go in the room and I switch on the listen. The reliever. thing about the room, okay, the room I is is a thing I've invented for the podcast. I never mm-hmm. mentioned it's like the Star Trek thing. What's that? It's like a Star Trek thing. You didn't oh, invent. It. I'm I, I didn't invent it. It's also uh Hirokazu Karita's afterlife. It's a full rip of that. <laughs> but but the the room portion yes. is something I had to start saying on the podcast to concretize the idea 
so that people would understand the mechanism of getting to relive the memory. Because um, yeah, I started. This was, this was previously a forty-five minute conversation with Carmen Christopher, where he couldn't just even get into the. Was it? Did you? Did you listen? No, to I, that? What is that? What I, started, I started to listen to Carmen's, and I lost my mind when he stumbled at the first question, which is, "What do you think happens after you die?" And he hadn't. He claimed to have never thought about it. <laughs> Didn't it? You know, when you lost a goldfish, the thought didn't cross your mind once. <laughs> But it's like but, the thing parents dread revealing to their children. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Uh, but stop yeah. changing the subject. What's so what memory? If there's a memory I could I could stay in and relive. Yes. Yeah. But but you could you can leave it too. Of course. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, you know, I remember. Being when I was when I was going to school, being in the in the dining hall for dinner, and uh, with my friends there, and one of them is Mike Brumley. So college, uh, yeah, at college, right? Um, you know, and some other friends at that school who I'm, who I'm still friends with now. And I just remember us being in that dining hall, and it was glass on all sides. This was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and sometimes, frequently in the afternoons, there would just be like a thunderstorm too that would start at three o'clock and it would end by four thirty or whatever. And so, uh, you know, being in the dining hall, this these all the glass all around and like nice view, sometimes a dramatic view, and uh, and just like talking and talking and joking and joking. And I remember like saying out loud a few times, like this is the best. Like this is the best thing, and um, and people being like, oh, "I should go study," and and even like sometimes saying to people like, "Oh, nothing's better than this. This is you know, this is what you're gonna miss." Yeah. And I I was like, I so called it. Like I think about being there all the time. It was so wonderful, and um, and so I think I think the memory of one of those uh, afternoons or, or evenings just kind of being with all those people I really cared about and, and uh, just joking around. And, and, you know, then it was a very serious mind school like yours. And so, right. um, you know, conversation ranged all the way from what do you think happens after you die or, or how ought the civil war to have been managed or something. And then uh, to, you know, just joking. Uh, yeah. But, I, yeah. For some reason, the way that you're describing this, I picture the dining hall either like architecturally jutting out into the air, somehow suspended in air or like on a safely on the ledge of a plateau or something like that. Am I, is that just a thing I'm projecting onto it, or no? You're yeah. kind of right. You're kind of right. It was like a, it was like a, you know, '60s modernist kind of um, like modernist institutional, you know, uh, greenhouse. So it's like you know the floors aren't nice, but. Um, you know, again, yeah, I mean, kind of, but it, it was kind of on a ledge and it did, the school was on top of a mountain. And so it did like look down, okay. you know, it wasn't as, as like totally, you know, I think I almost feel like you're picturing like the cover of that um, second air album or whatever. 
second, second air album what's the name of it it's like 40,000 gigahertz or i don't know okay, okay. but they're just, they're just kind of like an incredibles building on a cliff or something like that are you finding it yeah wait now i'm seeing oh ass oh no oh god i'm seeing air by a band called okay i just need to see okay air studio albums i don't even know if i'm gonna put because because what what am i Ten thousand hertz legend that's got to be the one right oh yes. yep that is exactly what i'm picturing so it's gonna <laughs> be in the show notes uh it, it, except i'm not it, it's got kind of a cartridge look to the sides um yeah I'm a, but this I'm is more glass, but yes, that's exactly what I'm yeah. No, I mean, so this is great. Just kind of, I'm kind of, a, I'm not super hip, but like all glass '60s building, and it was, you know, it was a little peninsula on the rest of the building, so it did jut out, and it was okay. on a little pediment, so it was raised off the ground, and then it did kind of like look down a very beautiful that's Santa Fe. Amazing, and was so that's so interesting that the the thunderstorm moments are are more idyllic than the blue sky moments yeah well I, I loved all of it but i think it was nice that it could be i mean certainly the thunderstorm was was great yeah and that's that um you know what's uh uh lucretius and on the, I'm, I'm now in a college college mode but lucretius yeah. and on the nature of things has some observation about how nice it is to observe a ship sinking when you're on the shore sure and, sure and you are tossed about in this in a storm and he's like it's not not because you wish any ill on the for the people on board but it's just so nice to think wait i didn't even think anything good was happening but something really good is happening i'm not on a ship being tossed in the <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny i was thinking it was because it was like visually interesting you know i see the way in which uh, a thunderstorm is more visually interesting to the right person than, you know, clouds in the sky. Do you remember what was your role in that friend group at the table? Did you have one or was everyone kind of the same kind of person and that was what made it fun? No, I think I was I think um yeah, people had had different roles. I think I was like um you know, <laughs> right. Well, so that, I mean, I guess here's the imperfection, but I guess I was like clown provocateur or whatever, you know, okay. I, I, I certainly, I think I had already um, done an okay job of sanding off some of my edge lordier tendencies, mm. but I think are just a, um, as if you're, a, if you're a, a clever, funny young man you're just in danger of acquiring those you know young white man especially yeah um and so i think um but i think i've done an okay job at saying this but i still i think i like to um you know i like to i like to fucking try and puncture people's arguments in the most drive-by witticism way possible and then and then like kind of circle back and keep knocking them down you know and so that would be the that would be the, the worst way but <laughs> meaning that like other people's memory of this time might have been tainted compared to yours you're like i was having a grand time 
No, I think people's, but I know that, I mean, that was me at my worst, but I think yeah, like yeah. if you're asking for, for my role or like what most distinguished me, like those are the things, but I think, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, and I, and I guess, I guess I feel like I was at that time, at least a little bit of a, of a hub. Like I was partly the person bringing a lot of these people into mm. contact with one another. Yeah. Why was that at that time? Um, he, uh, I think, you know, I think I get along well with most people. I think, you know, I think like even in Chicago, like on the improv scene, like people would, people I knew would remark from time to time, like how it was a little, you know, how I seemed to know an inordinate number of people or be friends with people they didn't know or whatever. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a talent, you know, I don't know if you even would agree with that assessment. But, uh, oh, well, you know, I don't, so this isn't an answer, but this is just a funny memory from that time, which um, maybe I've even told you before, but I, I, uh, <laughs> I was, I was walking with my girlfriend around campus and we encountered this very difficult dude who was like trying to be Tom Waits or something at okay. that time. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so he had some like leather brimmed hat and he was in his hobnail boots and what whatever else and and uh pirate earrings and stuff and comes up and says hi to us and talks for a bit and um then he moves on and my girlfriend's like i can't stand that guy and i'm like oh yeah me neither he's always been nice to me though and she goes well everyone's nice to you andrew and i just it's I will never forget it because it's like how is that you're this is clearly meant to be cutting and I don't understand why but I I, I do somehow feel what you mean when you say that <laughs> it's really stuck in my mind forever yeah what I mean what is the cut of it the 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 cut is that you I'm trying to like rack my brain. yeah have you. I, I guess I guess when I think of like name what feels so harsh is it's like it feels like maybe the accusation is you don't have enough character for anyone to dislike you mm, or you're, mm. you're too obsequious to everyone. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah. I, I guess maybe that seems like the the gist of it. Sure. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was certainly in that moment not about to go, what do you mean? I was just like not you're, bad. You're like, yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you ever brought it up to her? No, I should. I should. I, I'm. I wonder. She would probably. I mean, I, I guess as evidenced by the comment, she would probably say. I, I think what's most likely is she'd say she doesn't remember, but I bet she would. She'd be game enough to take a stab at what she what she meant. Yeah. 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 No, but, but no, I. I kind of, I kind of treasure it as a. I mean, there, there's a part of me that is like, this has such um, nomic power that I almost don't want to like deconstruct. Yeah. Oh, this. absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Is 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 part of your thing? It's the, you know, I I felt you you teasing teasing a response from me about whether that was my opinion of you in Chicago as a, as a social butterfly. Right. And 
I think I just experienced I I don't have a a negation of that, but it's not right. how I experienced you. I think because we both had very judgmental feelings about most people and is is your thing the friction between surface obsequiousness and um and judgment below no well and and you know in in, in thinking about that comment from her, her i've i've thought about this kind of i mean i, I think i would hope that i I actually, I don't think I judge people too much in like how they're living their lives. Yeah, sure, sure. I don't think, I think, you know, I think it is a, it is a great sensual pleasure to me to be ruthless about people's art. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, uh, uh, you know, and so I think, that's where I like to be a total bitch. Yeah. I think the, you know, but I, I think, I think the obsequiousness stuff for the most part, I mean, there's definitely a cowardly fear of conflict for sure. But I think there's, I think also it's like, for the most part, I really do hope. Oh, this is funny. I mean, this is <laughs> just while we're on the topic is, is uh, Scotty Nelson once was doing impressions of everybody outside a bar and he gets to me and he goes, "Hi, I'm Andrew Tisher. I hope I hope everyone's doing okay here. I hope everyone's doing okay." <laughs> it was like, "Damn, that's me." Uh, <laughs> that is the show. Tisher's videos in the show notes. Check those out. Go to Patreon.com/slash/DaveMar for five or fifteen bucks. You can hear all of the bonus audio that I am dropping. Would love to have you on board at this point in the show development process. Also, make sure to check out Genre Reveal Party. You you heard the trailer. It is also in going to be in the the feed. So if you want to listen to that trailer, share it with your friends. Subscribe to that. That would be amazing. So until next week, subscribe to Genre Reveal Party, and remember, you are a mist. You are human. And human beings, they do miracles.